Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Shannon Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. God created you for faith. You see, your life will not work if you plug yourself into fear instead of plugging yourself into faith. Fear and faith are opposing opposite spiritual forces. And when we choose to operate with fear, then a breakdown begins to happen. And it may start small and it may begin with little punctures, but your life will slowly but surely start to fall apart. You see, fear a lot of times starts as a small seed and then it begins to grow. But the Bible very clearly teaches us that we are designed to operate with faith. Now, one of the things that people really struggle with is that they think that they don't have enough faith. And the devil will try to convince you, especially when a challenge arises, that you don't have enough faith. I want to clear that up for you tonight before we go into this because we're going to talk about kind of being a little bit aggressive. And sometimes those are hard things for people to believe in because they think, you know what, that's nice for someone like you that's really into the word. But for me, I'm not so sure that I have enough faith. Well, in Romans 12, 3, it says, God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. He has given each of us the same measure of faith. You have enough faith in you to do anything that God is going to ask you to do. What it comes down to is hearing and hearing the word so that you can continue to be strong in your faith, to stay focused on your faith, to not get distracted by fear. And I remind you tonight that we have studied over the last couple of weeks that the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that for God has not given you a spirit of fear. God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gave you power, love, and a sound mind. What does that mean? That means that you don't have to live with fear. He didn't design you for fear, and he did not give you fear. Therefore, you can reject fear. You don't have to accept fear. What the Bible does tell us is in John 10, 10, it says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That word life there is talking about the God kind of life. And I would ask you tonight... Do you think that God lives in fear? Do you think that God is worried about the devil that he already defeated? So the thought process then is that if I am given given by my God, the God kind of life, then I was given the ability to live not afraid of the enemy that's in the world. Now, we understand that there is an enemy in the world, but I was not, I shouldn't be afraid because I am called to live the God kind of life. And if God's not afraid of the devil, then I shouldn't be afraid of the devil. Amen. Because I was created for faith. I was not created for fear. How can you say that? 
Shannon. I can say that because the Bible also tells me that God has given me dominion and authority over the things in the earth. What does that mean? When the Bible talks about dominion, it means that I have been given the right and the power to govern and control. So it is my right and it is within my power to choose faith. It is my right and it is within my power to reject fear. It is my right and it is my, within my power to live the God kind of life. It is my right and it is within my power to control and not be controlled. To control and not be controlled. You know, I was reading this very interesting statistic and some of you may know this, I didn't. But in the rise during the time, the reign of communism in Russia, did you know that only 7% of all of the people in Russia were members of the Communist Party. 7%, 93% of the people were not a part of the Communist Party, but the 7% controlled the 93% through fear. You have the ability to take control. I taught a series, of, uh, I think it was last year, on dominion and authority. If you don't understand your rights to have dominion and authority, I would encourage you to get that. Because to live a life of faith and not fear, to use the spiritual weapons that we're going to talk about tonight, you have to understand that you have been given the right and the power to govern and control. The right and the power. We're going to talk about choosing things. We're going to talk about having, you know, an act of your will and choosing something as an act of your will. That requires you understanding that you have the right to control and not be controlled. Before we go any further, remember, the devil does not have more power than you. Fear is not more powerful than your faith. You have more power than the devil. Your faith is stronger and more powerful than fear, but you have to exercise it. Amen? You have to utilize it. You have to understand how to walk in your dominion and authority. All right, are you ready? Let's talk about some of the spiritual weapons that God has given us to fight and overcome fear. You see, you can live a life of divine fearlessness. A fearless life. That's the kind of life I want. The first weapon that God has given you is truth. Truth. You see, to fight fear, you must know the truth. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. John 8:32. You see, fear feeds on misinformation. It feeds on half-truths. 
It feeds on lies and manipulations. And fear will continue to multiply itself when it encounters false information. The Bible tells us that truth will set us free. So how do I know truth? How do I decipher truth? It's very important that you hear what I'm saying, you see, because when fear begins to build in your life, it's almost like chaos begins to come in. And a lot of stuff is going to start coming your way. And you have to be able to navigate through that chaos, navigate through those thoughts, navigate through those emotions and decipher what is truth and what isn't, what is from God and what isn't. Why is that important? Because truth lines up with faith and it will make the system run correctly and the misinformation lines up with faith fear and it's going to cause the car to break down so we know then we have to decipher what truth is so how do you know truth it's very simple john 17 17 says your word is truth john 6 63 says that the words that i speak to you are spirit and they are life you see god's word is truth. God's word is truth, period. Now, a lot of Christians, they like God's word and they can quote scripture, but this is how they quote it. They say, my God shall supply all my needs, but my husband went and did the, 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 with the money, so now this and that, and do you see what I'm saying? God's word is truth, and it has to be the final truth. You have to decipher the misinformation and the lies that you encounter in the world, and you have to go through things. Now, I'm not talking about every little thing that you encounter every day. You don't have to be hypersensitive, but I'm talking about areas where you're battling something. You have to sort through. When I go to the doctor and he gives me a bad report, I have to go back and remember that the Bible says that I, don't, I choose to believe in the report of the Lord. The Bible says that Jesus bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. You see, truth is not natural circumstances. Truth is not natural situations that I encounter. Truth is what God's word says. Well, how can you say that, Shannon, when I got the bad report from the doctor and I'm afraid of what's going to happen? I can say that because the Bible says that the word of God is full of God's promises and that those promises are always yes and amen. You see, when you understand that the things of this world are temporary, the circumstances are temporary, and when you rise up in your dominion and authority that is your God-given right and you speak to the temporary circumstances that are appearing in your life that are things of this world and you tell 
tell them that they must come under order to God's word. The Bible says that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is full of power and it is stronger than any temporary circumstance that you encounter. You see, God's word has to be the final truth in your life. You have to choose to sort through the things that you encounter in this world in line with God's word. You have to choose to listen to the news and then decipher it through the light of God's word. What does that mean? That means that when I turn on the news and they tell me that the president is doing this or that the economy is doing that or that there's someone that desires harm against our nation, I have to choose to hear those things and say, I understand that those are temporary circumstances in this world, but in my life, I choose to believe in the real truth, which is the eternal truth that tells me that I abide in God's divine favor, that chaos can rule in the world, but God will bless everything I set my hand to do, that his angels will encamp around me, that he will keep me safe from harm. You see, I have to choose to believe the eternal truth, which is the word of God. So when fear begins to rise in your life and the chaos begins to circle and all the voices start coming, you have to be wise enough, you have to exercise enough dominion and authority to look at all of the voices and say, okay, wait a second, that's the voice of truth. That's the voice of God. And the voice of truth is always God's word. Now, the voice of truth may come through a man. It may come through Pastor Charles. It may come through something you sit in in church. But make no mistake, the voices that you choose to lend your ear to must speak what lines up with the word. Because the Bible tells us that the word is truth. You see, a lot of times in life, you're going to have to believe the truth over what you see with your eyes. You're going to have to believe the truth over what you're feeling in your body. You're going to have to believe the truth over what you're encountering. I love this verse in Romans 4.17. It says, calling those things which be not as though they were. Calling those things which be not as though they were. I grew up in a home where this was the real deal. And I remember when I got old enough to understand people looking at my parents like they were crazy. Because we might have been coughing, we might have been sneezing, we might have been whatever, and my mom would say, someone would say, oh, are they sick? And she would say, no, they're healed by the stripes of Jesus. They're receiving their healing. Jesus bore their sicknesses and carried their diseases. And I can tell you point blank how I'd come home and I'd say, mom, you know, I just this. And she'd say, don't say that again. 
you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You're, why? Because she was calling those things that be not as though they were. I'm not talking about living in a fantasy world here. I'm talking about exercising dominion and authority over the natural circumstances in your life. So this is hard for people to wrap their brains around sometimes because they think they're being foolish. There's nothing foolish about this. It is biblical. The Bible says to look at the circumstances of your life and to call those things that be not as though they were. So if your life is not going too well, then you speak to your life and you call it a blessed life. You call it a prosperous life. Amen? You're calling those things that be not as though they were. You are speaking the truth of God's word over the things of this world. Amen. Number two, the second weapon that we use to fight fear is to have confidence in God. To have confidence in God. Proverbs 3, verse 25 and 26 says, Don't be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. You see, what we're talking about when we say to have confidence in God, we're really talking about having trust. Not a conditional trust, not a partial trust, a total confidence in God. You see, God is moved by faith. God is not moved by begging. He's not moved by whining. He's not moved by brokering deals with him. God is moved by your faith. So you must place your confidence in God. You must place your confidence in God. You know, if you look up the word confidence, the definition says that it means full trust. Full trust. A belief in the powers, trustworthiness, or reliability of a person or thing. I ask you tonight... Do you fully trust God? Do you fully trust in his power? Do you fully trust in his reliability? You see, when you fully trust in God's reliability, then you don't pray prayers like, oh God, if it's your will to make this happen for me. You don't pray prayers like, God, if you'll just do this for me this one time, then I'll do this. We're talking about getting to a point in your believing where you fully trust in him. Where you fully believe that he is really who we say he is, not some of the time and not for selective people, but all of the time for all of his children. You have a true confidence in who he is always. 
You see, to do this, though, sometimes you have to make an actual conscious decision. It has to be an act of your will. Why? Because when you're going through something, when fear begins to mount, it's easy to begin to look to other sources. It's natural to begin to want to take things into your own hands or take, allow someone else to pick it up and do it. But the Bible tells us that if we will place our confidence in God, that he will keep our foot from being caught. You see, he will rescue us. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with your whole heart. And then it says, lean not on your own understanding. You see, a full confidence in God says, I trust in him without question. One of the most powerful things that you can learn in your relationship with God is to believe and accept that he knows the end from the beginning. You see, sometimes what appears to be an unanswered prayer is actually God's provision. Sometimes what appears to be God not paying attention is actually you thinking that you know the best way for it to happen. And he's got a whole nother plan in place. You see, having a true confidence in God means saying, God, I trust, number one, that you always have my best intention in your heart. Number two, that you are faithful and you are reliable and you are as powerful as we describe you to be. And number three, even though I may not understand how this is playing out, even though I may not understand where this is going, as an act of my will, despite what I feel, despite how it looks, despite Whatever is going on around me, I choose to remain confident in you. I choose to place my full trust in you and lean not on my own understanding. Psalm 37 verse 5 says that commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Amen. Number three. The third weapon that God has given us to fight fear is thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. You see, most people think that praise and thanksgiving and worship are all the same thing. And they are not. God created thanksgiving and praise for us. Worship is for him. But he doesn't need our praise he doesn't need our thanksgiving. He created them for us. Now they bless him, but he doesn't need to be blessed. God is fully aware of who he is. He is fully aware of what he can do. He doesn't need to be reminded by you of how great he is. That's not why we praise and offer thanksgiving. He actually created this, those for us. If you have your Bibles tonight, you can look at Philippians 4, verse 6. Many of you know this verse. It says, be careful for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we pray, and when we pray, we offer up thanksgiving. This verse tells me that thanksgiving is important. We don't have time to go through this whole thing and break this down, but I'll tell you briefly why it's important. Thanksgiving is important because you need to hear yourself giving thanks for what you're believing to receive. Oh, Jesus, I thank you that you are faithful over your word. I thank you that you are healing my body. I thank you that I am free from cancer and sickness and disease. I thank you, Father, for your provision in my life. Whatever it is that you go to him in prayer with, you then begin to thank him for the manifestation of the miracle and the provision that you're believing for. Why? Because Thanksgiving encourages you. It helps to strengthen your faith. It encourages your faith as you hear it. That's why God created Thanksgiving. You see, the devil is constantly trying to tell you that what you're praying for is not going to happen. So you need to hear yourself declare the victory. You need to hear yourself declare that the work is finished. You know, every single day I pray that over my children and my family. I say, Father, I thank you today that the finished works of the cross rule and reign over our lives. I thank you today that I can rest in the finished works of the cross. I thank you today that despite what is going on around me, I have confidence in knowing that on the cross you finish my whole salvation. You completed the whole victory. So I choose to rest in the finished works of the cross. Amen. I thank you, Jesus, for that. Why does Jesus need to be thanked by me? No, he already went. He did it. He's, it's done. He knows I love him. But as I declare that thanksgiving, I am reminded that the things I'm believing for are on their way. I am encouraged and refreshed and my faith is renewed and the voice of fear begins to get smaller and smaller. Amen. Amen. So we offer up thanksgiving and then the Bible says for us to praise. You see, praise is a very powerful spiritual weapon. Believe it or not, it is not an icebreaker or a time stall tactic so that people can get to church. Praise is a spiritual weapon that God has given you to use. Now, lots of people believe that praise is for us to build God up, but that's not true. It is not for him. It is for us. I believe they're going to put this verse up on the screen. Psalms 8 verse 1. 
It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. You have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. It's very interesting, and if they'll leave that verse up there, if you go to Matthew chapter 21, Jesus again recites these same, this same verse, and he replaces the word strength with praise. So he says, you have ordained praise because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. You see, the words strength and praise in scripture come from the same root word, which means to strengthen yourself inwardly. To strengthen yourself inwardly. You see, God has ordained praise. Why? Because of your enemies. God has ordained praise because of your enemies, that the enemy may be silenced. Amen. He inhabits our praises. So God gives us praise so that we can be strengthened on the inside, so that we can silence our enemies. And then in Psalm verse 22, 3, it says that he inhabits our praises. Get a mental picture of that. When you begin to praise, it says that God inhabits your praises. God inhabits our praises. Why? To steal the enemy and quiet the avenger. So praise is a weapon. It is a weapon that God has given you to shut the enemy up. To shut him up. To stop the fear from overtaking you. You know, I can remember in the time right after my mom died, I really struggled with fear. I really battled a real battle with fear. The doctor said some things to me, and I mean, it just elicited a war inside my life against fear. And every day was a fight. And I can remember that when I would come into church and we would begin to praise and I would lift my hands, that it was like that feeling would just go away and a stillness and a calm would come over. It's scriptural. You see, as I began to praise and I was strengthened on the inside, the enemy was quieted. Amen. Psalms 9 verse 1. I think they're going to put this one up too. Yep. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. You see, the psalmist is praising God. And then in verse 3, he goes on to say, When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. So how did the psalmist get rid of the enemy? He began to praise. Amen. You see, the enemies would fall when they encountered God's presence. And we understand how that happens because the Bible says when I begin to praise that God inhabits my praises. And so when he inhabits my praises, then God's presence is there. And the enemy, when he encounters God's presence, begins to fall. He begins to crumble. 
So how do I fight fear? I praise on purpose. You don't have to praise just here in church. You can praise anywhere. Look, I am a horrible singer. Every one of the Neemans, terrible. We pray over our little ones that somewhere inside one of them is a voice. But every morning as I drive to work, we turn on that praise music. And we worship God. Little Anne-Marie told me just yesterday, she says, Mom, put on that song, the one that chases the bad guys away. Why? Because I've taught her. When we praise, the devil runs. When we praise, God inhabits our praises and whatever it is we're dealing with, he comes into our midst. And the Bible says that when the enemy encounters God's presence, he falls, he crumbles. So when fear begins to rise, when the natural circumstances begin to overtake, when the fear begins to take over, you lift your hands towards God and you begin to thank him for the finished works of the good cross you begin to praise him you let his presence come into your car into your home at your dinner table into your closet if fear begins to rise when you're at work you go into the bathroom and you shut the door and you lift your hands and you begin to praise him because you will be strengthened on the inside and he will inhabit your praise and wherever the presence of God is fear can not exist. Amen. Did you learn some things tonight? Would you stand with me? Let me pray over you before you go. We are entering such an incredible time at church over the next few weeks. I pray that you will make time to be here, that you will be here on purpose, that you will come in time to praise God. Amen. To lift your hands up in the air. Would you lift them up tonight? Father, I thank you that every person who is here can take confidence in knowing that the finished works of the cross rule and reign in their life. I declare over them as they go that they are blessed coming in and blessed going out. They are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I declare that everything they set their hands to do will prosper. I declare that God has not given them a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. May they rise up this week in your strength. May they own the dominion that you have given them, and may they walk in faith and live fearless. In Jesus' name, well, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you this weekend. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.